Hi, everyone. Dr. B here. Thank you again for joining us for another episode of Ask the Dentist. Welcome back. Today, I'm going to go out on a little bit of a limb, and I'm going to give some nutritional advice as it applies to oral health. Why do I sound guarded in that? Uh, Well, I don't have a master's or a PhD in nutritional science. Has that stopped me from researching and reading studies? Actually, as of age 14, that was really one of my very first hobbies. Life extension and nutritional science, food science, those are a lot of the courses I took before I had to take the prerequisite courses for dentistry. And it still is. And I believe in supplements. I do believe that you can take too many. I do believe that some supplements are bad for you. It's how they're made, purity. You know, I can go on and on about synthetic as opposed to natural. When to take them? Should it be tailored to one's DNA? Probably yes. Is it an industry that's unregulated and a little bit out of control? Yes, 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 yes. So anyway, but I do want to answer this person's question. Her name is Lori. And it was asked after she, I'm sure it was after I had mentioned a list of supplements that I believe are important for most of us as it relates to oral health. And that was mentioned in a four-hour masterclass I gave for the Mark Hyman Plus channel. So I do want to clarify what I said and answer Lori's question. And the supplement, just to kind of give you a teaser, it's got kind of a weird name. I'll explain that. It's spermidine. So anyway, I'm going to give nutritional advice. I I do not have a PhD or master's in nutritional science. I think being a dentist or a physician, I think we are required to know a lot about nutrition. A lot of advice in the nutritional area can help our patients and can prevent the diseases that we're treating. So again, that is the functional approach. So I, I do think we do need to be experts in that area, perhaps not as vertical as a PhD or a master's of science, but I do confer with actually two uh, friends that each of them has those respective degrees and and they are very helpful to confer with. And again, it is an industry, the supplement industry is out of control, unregulated, a lot of claims made, a lot of studies that really are not good studies, they're not well designed and I can go on with that. And but you could fall back, many of us will say, well just eat well. Well, the problem is is that our food industry big ag, fertilizer, phosphate industry, they're out of control too, unregulated in many ways and devoid of many things that we that our ancestors used to have access to in the food supply. So as you can infer from that, I am for supplements. Uh, there are areas where we do have to supplement. And I'll talk a little bit about that. I don't want to get too scientific about this, but I will tell you how I feel about supplements and specifically this one supplement, spermidine, Because I think, and even though we don't have a lot of great studies yet in terms of oral health, I will refer to some studies, and this is a longevity uh, supplement as well, so again, controversial, but I truly think that this spermidine, which has just readily become available in the US and has been available in Europe for quite a long time, I think it helps with gum disease. And when people hear that, they get very excited. So do practitioners, because gum disease is a very difficult disease. The majority of us have some form of gum disease, 60-70%. That includes gingivitis. And it's a real problem in first world countries. And of course, as you've heard me say, it's related to our first world way of life, our food supply and our lifestyle. So again, exciting to know that there is something that we can do to prevent and to help 
during periodontal therapy, the deep cleanings, gum surgery, et cetera. So I'm going to talk about spermidine. And I want to bring up something just, I just thought of it. I was at my grocery store, my local grocery store, which is a family-owned grocery store that buys mostly from local farms, you know, butchers and animal husbandry kind of farms. And I live in central Napa Valley, the valley itself. So we, we have a great food supply here. And I was amused to see a sign at the front saying that my local grocery store had been Blue Zone approved. And how does that relate to spermidine? Well, spermidine is a longevity. It's marketed as a longevity supplement. And Blue Zones, if you've read Dan Buettner's book, which I do recommend you read. I read it when it first came out decades ago and was fascinated by it. And I don't agree with all of it, but I think it's worth reading. And, and the concept is very, very good. But it seems now that certain cities and areas can become Blue Zone certified, meaning that let me back up. Blue Zones relates to areas where people live to be over 100 years old, octogenarians. Sardinia, for example, Okinawa, Loma Linda, and there are a variety of reasons for that. But one of them is the food supply. So my area is either attempting or paying to be Blue Zone certified or was able to be Blue Zone certified. And I just find that very interesting. And it, it kind of broke my heart a little bit because here's another example of where you live determines your health destiny. And I just feel bad for all the food deserts, which probably will never get that blue zone certification. And then the question is, is does the blue zone certification or the lack of it, is that kind of a, a sentence to a low quality life, a steep falling health and uh, curve and life curve? And it just made me wonder how unfair things are in this world as it comes to our environment. I mean, we've polluted our environment. Our food supply isn't that great. It keeps getting worse. And then we're trying to certify areas as Blue Zone certified. And it just seems kind of back-ass words to me. So anyway, it's too bad that certain areas will have this certification and most areas will not. And to me, that means we're not addressing the problem correctly. Again, we're not looking at root cause approaches. Um, real quick, one of my favorite books is by Mark Hyman, and it's called Food Fix, and it's it would address everything I just spoke about. So let's get to the question. The question is asked by Lori. Great question, and I will try and answer it for you. Hello, my name is Lori. I heard you mention the use of spermidine to treat receding gums. I wondered how much you have to take and how long you have to take it. Thank you. Thanks, Lori. Great question. Sorry I wasn't more specific. During that masterclass, again, I think I was referring to over 15 supplements as they pertain to oral health. So there really wasn't time and that wasn't the venue. But I'm glad you picked up on that. And if I remember correctly, it was last on my list or, or very near the bottom because we don't have really a lot of human studies. We've got lots of animal studies on how it could apply to the health of the gums and actually prevent gum disease, but also help during therapy for gum disease, scale and root planing, deep cleanings, the scrapings that we've many of us have experienced. Again, gum disease is a very prevalent disease in this country. So, okay, so I'm going to answer your question about how much, how long, as it pertains to receding gums. And I think this will be very interesting to many people, again, because so many of us have had to deal with gum disease. So anyway, so, okay, first let's get past the the obvious question here. I think we're all thinking it. Maybe no one's willing to really ask directly. Spermidine, where does that name come from? Yes, it does 
come from sperm. So leave it to a man, in this case, a very smart man, 1600s, as a dental student, most medical students, most healthcare professionals are exposed to this historical figure. He was the first to use microscopes and see bacteria. Again, the father of microbiology. Without microbiology, we would not have a good grasp on germ theory and how diseases work and therefore how we treat them. So pivotal figure in the history of medicine. But again, being a man, I guess, of course, I guess you check out your sperm, right? And he did. And that's where he discovered spermidine. I'm not sure it was named by him, but there were some crystals that he observed. And these were the polyamines, uh, amino acid products that are synthesized in the body. Again, I'm not sure if I mentioned it before, but spermidine is present and synthesized. In other words, it's made in every living cell. That to me is impressive in, in every organism on this planet. So it must be a key component, right? And do we lose some of it as we age? I'm going to talk about that. It is. It does have a history of being a longevity product. I only came across it about 10 years ago. Again, as I said earlier, this has been a hobby for me. Back when I was a teenager, I was reading about longevity, and I really never came across this until about 10 years ago. But it wasn't available in the U.S. until about a year, a year and a half ago. So it doesn't mean it wasn't safe or unsafe. It just takes time for the regulatory bodies in the U.S. to approve anything, and that has its good and bad sides, of course. But the Europeans have classified it as being safe up to six milligrams. That may not seem like a large dose. We'll talk about dosing in a second. Again, this spermidine is pretty cool stuff, synthesized in every living cell. Therefore, it's contained in foods. So you maybe you won't need to take a supplement. Assuming you're eating well, I'll talk about where you can find this and which foods you can find this in. And it contributes to health and longevity. Again, that is its association, spermidine. Its physiological activities are similar to those of antioxidants, like polyphenols. We've all heard about polyphenols in tea. I drink lots of green tea because I know it's going to scavenge free radicals in my body. It's going to slow down the aging process. It's going to help detoxify tissues in my body. And so spermidine is in that category. So it has anti-inflammatory and antioxidant properties. And that's important. It also is associated with cell and gene protection and also autophagy. In other words, it helps weed out the bad organelles and cellular components and keeps us young. That's what autophagy does. It's You've heard this in a relationship to intermittent fasting. If you fast, autophagy sets in. So spermidine, actually, it promotes autophagy maybe without fasting, although I still think fasting is a better way of stimulating autophagy. But autophagy also is associated with longevity. Does it help with gum disease? We'll get to that. So, And then the last thing is there's a close relationship between polyamine metabolism, like spermidine, and DNA methylation. And DNA methylation, as we all know, is a big issue. That's where cancer starts, that's our code, genetic code, and it's imperative to keep that code correct and not let it be written differently to the point where we start getting sick. I'm trying to be very general here and make this very digestible. So anyway, so let's talk about spermidine in the context of gum disease. I'll give you a little background on 
what aspect of gum disease it helps with. And then, Lori, I'm going to answer your questions, and then we'll end with what I think the protocol should be and when and how and all that. All right, so let's talk about spermidine, spermidine as it relates to gum disease. I don't want to go down the rabbit hole of gum disease too much. It's a very complicated issue. Dentists grapple with it because it's very hard to cure gum disease. We typically arrest it, especially in its uh, severe forms where there's bone loss, necrosis of bone, when there's gum loss, necrosis of the gum tissue. That's what Lori was referring to, receding gums. This is a very prevalent disease. The majority of us in this country have gum disease or have had it. It is typically, again, I'm getting a little too complicated here, perhaps, it is related to a oral microbiome dysbiosis. That's pretty much where all oral disease comes from, cavities included, even oral cancer, even canker sores. It's when this oral microbiome is not doing its job. These are foreign bacteria, like the gut microbiome, that are helping us. They help us digest foods. They synthesize vitamins for us. But more importantly, they are protecting us. Again, the mouth is very vulnerable. It is the way the human body is sampling its environment. And because the mouth is is an orifice that can open and, and, and so much goes into the mouth, food and air and poisons and toxins. And of course, we consume water through the mouth. So very, very vulnerable. Hence, the immune system is very active. That's why the oral microbiome has to be at its best. But when it's not, and it's dysbiotic, these bacteria are not working well together you've heard me talk about this before, commensal, pathogenic bacteria. Basically, the bad guys get are fed in such a way that they become dominant, that the environment changes in the mouth where these bad guys, which are always present, again, we can't live without the bad guys. They need to be there. We can't disinfect the mouth and survive. That doesn't happen. Same thing with the gut. But when they kind of run amok, then oral disease occurs. Gum disease is one of them. The body responds to this with a very strong, it could be acute, it can be chronic, a very strong response involving cytokines. You've heard this now with, of course, with COVID. And the response is maybe a little bit over the top and it takes out a lot of tissue. That's where Lori was talking about gum disease. You can lose gum tissue. There's a necrotic factor, necrosis, meaning there's die-off of tissue. That includes bone that support the teeth, bone recession, bone loss, and gum recession. So scary stuff. If you see blood in the sink when you're spitting out after brushing, or you see blood on your floss, if you see you know, swollen gums or you're experiencing gum recession, chances are you are suffering from gum disease and you should go see a dentist and have that dealt with. So how does spermidine fit into all of this? So spermidine is very good. It does many things. It's in this classification of supplements that help with longevity. It has effects on the brain, even adipose tissue, fat, certain other pathways. Of course, it stimulates autophagy, which is good for longevity. But as it relates to, pertains to the gums, one of the key things that a spermidine molecule will do, a polyamine, it is essential for cell growth and proliferation and tissue regeneration. And that's what happens. That's what we want to see when you are seeing a dentist, when you're seeing us, and we recommend scale and root planing. That's the deep cleanings that a lot of us, that a lot of you know about. And, you know, even antibiotic therapy or gum surgery, where we have to cut away a lot of that necrotic tissue, bone as well. A lot of that bone has to be removed, reshaped, 
And then the tissue has a lot of that dead tissue has to be cut away so that we get rid of this disease for you. So spermidine, because it has those abilities, it's great to have that on board when the healing process starts. In other words, after or during during therapy. One interesting thing, there's a substance called TNF-alpha. So that's a tumor necrotic necrosis factor. And there's a beta version. But that turns out that's a potential marker if found in the saliva, easily tested for, of periodontal destruction. And it also turns out that spermidine suppresses cytokines mostly via the suppression of this TNF-alpha. So that we know. We know that through animal studies. We don't have any human studies yet, but they're coming. And so this is kind of what prompted me to think this is what my patients should be taking, or at least getting through their food. Again, this is the functional approach. We don't just treat. We try and throw everything at this disease. A, we try and prevent it. But if we're treating it and the body is overreacting and taking all this tissue down, cutting off the blood supply and causing necrosis, again, the body's doing its best, but the body doesn't always do the right thing. In some cases, it's looking for a short-term gain and we're outliving our ancestral lives. So in their case, they weren't dealing with gum disease. Uh, They had a fantastic diet and they didn't see this inflammation. They weren't even using floss and toothbrushes. But for us, because of our environment, because of the chemicals and plastics and air pollution and lack of minerals in our soil, just our environment in general is, is such a toxic place that we're not really able to function the way we were designed. So a lot of things go wrong. There's no reason why... The majority of us should have gum disease. Our ancestors certainly didn't. That's where spermidine in our diet, again, it's found everywhere. I still find that fact very interesting. That's why you should be taking spermidine because spermidine will suppress this cytokine response. With COVID, it took us down. I mean, it it got rid of the virus, but it killed us because of the inflammation caused by this cytokine response. So in any case, this is just one pathway that I found through different studies, and there are several others. So spermidine can help us heal from gum disease. I'm not saying you can't see a dentist take spermidine and reverse gum disease. I'm not saying that. A lot of people think oil pulling will do that. You still have to see a dentist. There are certain things that have to be done. It has to be done with the guidance of a professional. But I certainly would have spermidine on board, at least during treatment, until the gum disease is resolved after whatever was diagnosed for you, whatever treatment plan was recommended for you, whether it was surgery or just the deep cleaning. So spermidine will suppress a lot of these things that kind of do more damage than good. And that is why we need to have this on board, especially during treatment. I'd love to go on. There's several other pathways that are of interest and how spermidine can contribute to modulating this, and maybe this is not the right term, but this overreaction of the immune system in the case of gum disease, where it literally takes out parts of your body to save itself. And that's what's required. The mouth is a very unique place. There's only, I mean, that's the only place in the body where you've got hard inanimate objects poking out through the body, the teeth, essentially. I mean, think of a feeding tube, think of a pick line, 
These are things that are placed into our body that enter our body and the chance of infection and sepsis from the point of entry where bacteria getting passed and down that line into the body is, is very great. And as it is with gum disease, this is a very vulnerable part of the body. So again, spermidine can help modulate this reaction. It can help practitioners do a better job, not do a better job, but get a better result when they do their work the deep tissue work, the scale and root planing, the gum surgery. And again, spermidine suppresses certain inflammatory markers that I will include a study that show up in our saliva. One is that TNF alpha in, in such a way that we can get past the necrosis, the destruction, and get to a stage where there is no inflammation and we haven't lost parts of our body in the process. So again, this is something you can't do on your own. This is not a magic pill that you can take to reverse gum disease. If you have bleeding, if you see blood in the sink on your toothbrush, on your floss, you need to see a dentist right away. But see a functional dentist, see someone that is looking for things beyond what they've been trained to do and from their dental curriculum because there's so much more to it. Dental disease is a very difficult disease to address. So, okay, let's talk about where to get the spermidine. I mean, you can rely on your dentist if they're up on this. They can give you guidance, but let me give you some background. So there have been studies on how much spermidine is in our diet. One study was, was kind of interesting. It measured the mean polyamine intake in several different countries. And it was a British study, and the intake was very low in Britain. It was even lower in the U.S. That's no surprise to any of us, right? But it was pretty optimal, not quite, in Mediterranean countries, such as Spain and Italy. Again, that Mediterranean diet. Another win for the Mediterranean diet. Jap Japan was a little low. So what is the optimal amount? It's 800 to 900 milligrams a day of wheat germ. In other words, not of spermidine, but if you get eight to 900 milligrams of wheat germ in your diet, you're getting that optimal dose of one to six milligrams of spermidine. So that is the simple answer. There are other foods that have spermidine, but that is the quickest and best way to get it. I prefer to supplement because I'm not sure where does the wheat germ come from? Is it a glyphosate product? Is it a non-GMO product? It's so difficult these days to find good food. So the source of spermidine that I take, it's from England. It's a very viable, well-researched product. And the dosing is very, very accurate. It's one milligram a day. So Lori, take this pill once a day. Take it for as long as you have gum disease or any sign of it. If you want to continue taking it, there's so many other benefits to spermidine. So I'm taking it for life. My wife and I take it for life. We will continue taking that one milligram until something better comes along or until we find out something bad about spermidine. I doubt we will. It, again, it's everywhere. It's in all parts of our body. All organisms are synthesizing spermidine. So there must be a good reason to have this on board. So where do I get my spermidine from? Well, two sources. I make sure I get it in my diet. And I also take a supplement. I buy a supplement from the Oxford HealthSpan company in England. Again, a friend of mine, Lori, has done an amazing job with isolating this and, and getting a good pure form of it. And she combines it with a prebiotic, which helps uh, uptake of spermidine. I think she was wise to change the name, primidine. I was taking, my wife and I were taking a spermidine out of Austria. This is uh, before it was available in the U.S., and that worked well, but when I started using the primidine, 
our hair and nails, uh, my wife said her eyelashes, everything, skin, turgor, there was a noticeable difference. Again, there's that regeneration of tissue and and autophagy and, and all of that. So I will be taking this for a variety of reasons, again, but also because gum disease is very prevalent and I want to make sure that I never have to deal with receding gums. So I will leave uh, in the health, in the um, show notes, a link to Oxford HealthSpan. It is expensive. I think my link gives you a discount. So try that. And uh, I do recommend that. Now, of course, you can. I mean, I talked about wheat germ. I don't know what eight to 900 milligrams of wheat germ looks like, but you can certainly go that way. But what's interesting is here come the same dishes that I talk about a lot for vitamin K2, which also helps with decay and calcium metabolism. Fermented soybean dish known as natto, that's on the list. So anything that is fermented, uh, sauerkraut, what else? Uh, algae corella contains spermidine. These are all very healthy foods. But again, back to those uh, shiitake mushrooms, peas, cheese, but not milk. But again, if you process the milk into cheese, there's a lot of spermidine. Again, back to that discussion I was having about the blue zones and food deserts. And, and I just wish the whole planet was one blue zone. Ultimately, that's what we should be looking for. And uh, for now, if you can't get access to those foods, then you're going to have to take supplements. That is the reality of our modern world. And that's what saddened me when I walked into my local grocery store. Happy, good for me, love it. But what about all those other people that when they walk into their store, they're not living in a blue zone because they don't have access to these foods that are high in spermidine, vitamin K2, the right oils and fats and and all of that. That's becoming, well, it's not becoming, it is a big issue in this world. And that's why so many of us are sick. More of us are sick. And I'm just talking about the US. It's worse in other countries, but more of us are sick, suffering from chronic diseases than not. And really, it was the opposite well before big food and the agricultural revolution and, and all that started. We're doing something wrong. It's very clear. So again, I wish we all lived in blue zones on this planet. If not, take spermidine. I do think it helps a lot with uh, gum disease. If you are undergoing treatment with your dentist for gum disease, if you think you have gum disease, go see a dentist and make sure that while you're being treated, you have access to in your diet or via supplementation, you are taking spermidine. Lori, I hope that answers your question. It was a little kind of discombobulated. It's a very difficult topic. Again, I'm not a PhD or I don't have a master's in nutritional research and, and matters, but I do think as a functional provider, we do need to be up on a lot of this. Again, I get a lot of this information from a lot of my colleagues that are up on it. And this is where this collaboration really helps you, the patient. It's important not just to treat the disease, but to look at the big picture. So I hope that answers your question. Thanks for asking it. Again, if you have any questions, go to askthedentist.com for more general information. And if you want to talk to a functional dentist that is able to speak to you about nutrition as it relates to and pertains to oral care and treatment, go to askthedentist/directory and again go to the speak pipe link for any questions for this podcast. You can also reach out to me at mark at askthedentist.com. Thanks so much for listening. Really appreciate your attention. And I hope this really helps. This is something kind of new. I'm always looking for something new. Spermidine is pretty cool stuff. I've been taking it for quite a while and it's helped me in so many other areas, but I do know, and I've seen it 
100%, I've seen the effects it has on people that are undergoing treatment for gum disease. To me, that's enough of a reason to be recommending it now. The studies are coming. There have been plenty of animal studies that are all very favorable. When the human studies come, if you haven't already, I think you'll have wished that you had gotten on the, on the bandwagon earlier. Thanks for your time. Thanks for listening. See you in the next episode. If you are enjoying this podcast, please take a moment to leave a review. This will help others discover the same oral health information that you've been using to optimize your overall health. As always, I appreciate your support and your reviews. Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast is not a substitute for professional care by a dentist, doctor, or other qualified medical professional. This podcast is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. If you're looking for help in your journey, seek out a qualified medical practitioner. If you're looking for a functional dental care provider, you can visit askthedentist.com directory and search our Find a Dentist database. It's important that you have someone in your corner who's trained, is a licensed healthcare practitioner, and can help you make changes, especially when it comes to your health.